0: This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Have you heard about the Pegasus Project? It's an international investigative journalism initiative that's revealed that governments have been spying on a lot of people, including a list of 50,000 phone numbers. All over the world, people have been targeted through their mobile
1: phones. And what we discovered is that um, NSO Group was um, leasing or selling or whatever they do, um, this software package to a lot of, uh, I would say, less than democratic countries around the world.
0: Drew Sullivan is co-founder and publisher of the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project.
1: And these countries were taking the software and essentially using it to spy on journalists, spy on opposition um, uh, uh, parties and candidates, to spy on activists, civil society, human rights defenders, um, and each other.
0: We'll tell you exactly how the spy program worked, technically and ideologically. Coming up on this episode of Target USA.
1: The National Security Podcast.
0: From WTOP. In Washington, DC, this is Target USA. This is Target USA, the National
1: Security Podcast.
0: I'm J.J. Green. Imagine your mobile phone gets infected with malware from a source that you never clicked on, downloaded, or answered a call from. So how is that possible? It's because of something called Pegasus spyware made by a company called the NSO Group. Thousands of people around the world, from presidents to journalists to lawyers to doctors to taxi drivers, were targeted. The Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project and several global media organizations recently dropped a deeply troubling series of reports about how this spyware works. It's called the Pegasus Project. Our guest today, is Drew Sullivan. He's the co-founder and publisher of OCCRP, and he was on the front lines of this reporting. So, Drew, tell us what this is all
1: about. Uh, JJ, this was a, this was actually a joint project of about uh, 70 news organizations and Amnesty International, who all got together. Um, uh, to look at this particular issue and drill down into it. We called it the Pegasus Project. Um, and the purpose was really to look at this NSO Group software and to see how it was being used. And And what we discovered is that um, NSO Group was um, leasing or selling or whatever they do, um, this software package to a lot of, uh, I would say, less than democratic countries around the world. Um, And these countries were taking the software and essentially using it to spy on journalists, spy on opposition um, uh, uh, parties and candidates, to spy on activists, civil society, human rights defenders um, and each other. Um, And in many cases, you know, the, the prime minister and the president was being spied on in their own country. Um, as well as, you know, other people within the administration, uh, you know, government friendly journalists, you know, it and it just kind of depicts, you know, the what's going on in these very autocratic um, regimes that are popping up. They're incredibly paranoid and they want to destroy any semblance of democracy in their country um, by using this against the people um, who are trying to be more democratic and, um, uh, you know, uh, basically looking at their 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 paranoia um, and spying on the people that are working with them. So it was very interesting to look into how these Mm -hmm. governments work.
0: So tell us how this spy process worked, because it's my understanding. And as a journalist who's talked to some of the people on your list more than once, there is a concern that, hey, what about me? Um, That it's possible for these people's mobile devices to be infected without them even knowing it. So explain how that works.
1: Yeah, this is what's called zero click um, uh, software, and it exploits weaknesses in cell phones and in various apps on your cell phone um, to essentially get in there without you having to click on anything. In the old days, they had to kind of do a phishing expedition where they would go out and send you messages and, and uh, hope that you clicked on something with this new software, they can essentially just get right on um, to your phone by sending you an iMessage that you will never see. And so it's using uh, exploits that are, that are in, you know, we call them zero day exploits. They're exploits that are not known in, in, you know, Google phones and iPhones and, and uh, probably other phones. And, um, it's extremely difficult uh, to, to see this happening uh, unless somebody goes in and forensically looks at it. And the problem is, is once in your system, they have 100 percent control. They have more control of your phone than you do. In fact, they can look at your pictures. They can listen to you. They can turn on your camera. They can uh, read your email. Um, they can they can uh, get the cookies or the various things that, that you've logged onto your Facebook and they can get access to your Facebook account they can get your you know, your bank account, pretty much anything. So um, uh, anything your phone is connected to, they can uh, theoretically go in and, and, uh, and mine and use that in any way they want. And this is pretty high-end software. So in this case, it was mostly being used by you know, governments to spy on people.
0: Where did this come from?
1: This was built by a, um, a software company called NSO Group uh, based out of Israel. Um, and they've been around for about 10 years or so. And they basically just grew big, you know, in the, in the, with the growth of, uh, of phones. You know, they, they just, you know, joined that, that wave and, um, and worked on cracking phones. And in the early years, they did things that were, you know, pretty crude. They would even call you up and, and try to get you to, to do something. Um, but as the level of sophistication has grown and the company has grown, Um, they've gotten these much more sophisticated exploits. And there's a, there's a whole business of this. I mean, you can go into the dark web and they sell these exploits when people find them, you know, for millions of dollars and, um, and companies buy them and, and they use them to, uh, crack people's phones. And when they get patched, they find others or they have others in store that they can use. And a surprisingly large amount of apps and, uh, and a large number of types of phones were easily exploited. And it looks like, you know, the the Apples and the Googles are really not spending the money to secure these phones as effectively as they could. They had multiple exploits on these phones. This was not just one exploit. They, you know, when the phone would, would uh, fix something they would immediately have another exploit um, in its place. So um, it, it's pretty clear that the American businesses which don't really pay a price for their phones getting hacked um, you know, have been, uh, to be quite honest, uh, lazy and not spending enough resources really in securing their phones.
0: The the list of people that you have that have been targeted by this software is kind of mind blowing. 50,000 phone numbers, uh, at least part of this this leak of information you've got, um, There may be more, I don't know, but uh, maybe you can tell us about that. But you've got journalists, activists, doctors, academics, uh, lawyers, prosecutors, politicians, government officials, military officers, and business people. Who are some of the people that are on this list that have been targeted? And can you give us a sense of, of, of how some of these folks actually got targeted?
1: Yeah, so it was, it was really quite interesting. I mean, they, this ranges from, you know, somebody's uh, driver. Our, our journalist in uh, Azerbaijan, her driver was, was, was hacked. And, um, you know, as well as her, as well as family members, all the way up to presidents. So, you know, Emmanuel Macron in, in France um, uh, seemed to be hacked by, um, you know, in, uh, by a, a client coming out of Morocco. South African president, you know, Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, Mexican President uh, AMLO, uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, um, wasn't hacked, but 26 people around him, including family and assistants and other people were hacked. He doesn't carry a phone, I believe, um, but every, every single person around him uh, was hacked. And that was when he was not president. That's when he was an opposition leader. Um, but but 14 presidents and prime ministers were hacked um, with this. So, I mean, this really ran the gamut of uh, everybody from the powerful to the low, it was whoever they wanted to get information from these governments. Um, they simply hacked. And, you know, some of it was based around, you know, big um, political events. Some of it was based around, you know, journalists getting out of prison or, you know, activists doing a protest. And as soon as they were, you know, they left the protests, their, their phones were hacked. Um, a number of cases where there were meetings and everybody came out of the meeting with their phones hacked. You know, so, so it was all really dependent on what the individual intelligence or police agency was interested. What we found is we didn't find many uh, terrorists or organized crime figures on the list. We found mostly, you know, uh, journalists, as you said, and doctors and civil society people. And it really looked, you know, that it was these governments trying to, to spy on its own people so they, they know what they're doing. You know, when you run an autocratic government, you sometimes you know, expect people to overthrow you. And I think uh, these governments are naturally somewhat paranoid.
0: Can you give us a ballpark of how many governments you detected or found were using this, or did you, or can you give us uh, a, 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 some of the top ones?
1: So so this particular data was was kind of clustered around 11 countries that, 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 that we saw. And some of these uh, went outside of these country blocks. So there were, you know, especially countries like Morocco were, were looking in France and other places like that. Some of them stayed exclusively within the country. And we don't know if that's because of limitations of their software or their agreement or whatever, but it looked like it was kind of 11 major ones. And some of the countries were, you know, Azerbaijan, Rwanda, Togo, um, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, United Arab Emirates, um, you know Morocco uh, Hungary was was one of them you know so these are not the most democratic countries in the world. Um, and we don't know um, what contracts out there we don't know this particular uh, uh, set of data. Um, you know we're not sure you know why it was curated the way it was or whether it even was curated so, you know we are not privy to some of that information um some of our other partner news organizations have a little bit more information but um you know it it does seem like it was consistent with you know uh, particular governments mexico was another one and there were there were you know um uh, that was one that that you could see that there was a lot of kind of clustering around um you know uh, both uh, political in some cases sometimes business people and Um, you know, relatively few organized crime,
0: you know, one of the things that seems pretty interesting to me is there are three major countries that are not, at least according to your research, which you've gathered, uh, targets or appear not to have any people on this list. That's the United States, Russia, and China. Does, is there any, and there's Canada as well. Uh, these are big countries and these are important countries too. So um, what does that say about what you know right now?
1: You know, it, it I, I suspect it has to do with um, some of the security these countries might've put in place. In some cases it could, um, you know, this, this was a, a uh, Israeli company um, spying on the United States uh, has been an issue in the past for Israel and, um, so that might have been some kind of limitation that they that they put on it, so that um, you know people couldn't spy on Americans. Um, you know, it, it's we don't know to be honest. We we, we just don't know. Um, I suspect uh, that um, you know. That, remember, this is one of a number of companies that are out there, and it's contracts that they have, you know, with governments that that they've made deals with. Um, but there are other companies who have deals with other countries. Um, and have different sets of rules. And then you have the state actors and increasingly it's getting quite scary. There's a number of countries like United Arab Emirates which was in this data who are developing their own software. um, And we assume that that is not gonna be restricted in any way. Um, And so uh, this is kind of a new age. It's the age of information war and, and you've seen it in the Chinese acts that have been happening in the United States recently. Um, there's a lot more. There's a, there's an active hot war of hacking each other um, by these countries, and they're using this software, and they're using their own software, and they're using other tools, you know, including physical entry into places to get information that they need. So there's a hot war, world war in information's you know theft, and that's what's so interesting about this. This is this is the tip of the iceberg to, to what's actually going on.
0: So. Um, one question about um, the U S and the UAE and something that I ran across a couple of years ago, and that was some information indicating that there was a whole group of former intelligence analysts who worked at the national security agency that ended up working for some project called, I think project Raven um, in the UAE. Uh, And they actually had been, (laughs) you know, helping them hack people inside the U.S., including, I think, the first lady at the time, um, Michelle Obama. Um, so is this what you're talking about when you talk about the this variety of unknown platforms?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there, you know, this is this information is, is really important. World War Two was won in many cases because, you know, in, in a significant way, because United States had cracked the code of, you know, Nazi Germany and the Japanese, and yep. that led to significant battles and so uh, victories and significant battles. And so this is happening, you know, um, and it, it's much wider. It's it's both, you know, they're not only interested in the political, they're interested in the technological and they're interested in the commercial uh, and they're interested in law enforcement. And so, you know, governments are collecting information all the time. Um, and quite frankly, information is very poorly uh, protected, uh, especially in the United States. In the United States, um, we really see it as an economic issue, um, and companies will not invest more money until it's economically important that they do that. And um, you know, most companies who have been hacked in the United States are not obligated to tell you that they've been hacked. And so consequently, there's far more um, industrial hacking that's been going on um, in American companies and has come out in the media. And, and, and consequently the damage is much more significant than people realize. Um, and when this is taken to the military level, um, and the political level and the, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the industrial level, it, it really is, um, pretty scary, um, that people are having such an easy time accessing this information.
0: Is there any way to know if you've been hacked?
1: It's very difficult, um, and it's very difficult to protect yourself. Uh, you you really have to um, uh, have an expert look at your computer or your phone. Uh, you know, many of these softwares delete themselves. You know, when you turn when you turn off your computer, and they have to reacquire you later. They have to rehack you, um, and that's to, to keep you know um, proof on the computer. But there are some ways you can look at. Um, and and some addresses that these softwares are sending information um, that are known to be related to particular groups such as the NSO group. And that's how we were able to really identify what was happening. And so if you have that kind of expertise, but there just isn't the commercial expertise out there to service everybody, most people are not hacked. You know, e- even though this is very, very widespread, most of it is dedicated to the Jeff Bezoses and the, uh, you know, the Barack Obamas and the Donald Trumps and the people who are important and the journalists because a lot of information comes into journalists and goes back out. Um, you know, so on the global scale, hacking is is not going to be, you know, your your dad or your, you know, your nephew. Um, that's not gonna happen except for small time commercial hackers, but it's gonna get worse as we go on. And there's gonna to be tools I imagine that are developed um, designed to, um, to help you get some better sense of what's happening on your machine. But until there's a significant improvement in the security of uh, these devices, which are so you know close to us, we sleep with them, they're next to us all day long And they can be turned into a Trojan horse. It's just, you know, reading your emails and watching you eat breakfast and doing all these things. And that's really, truly scary. What do we need to know
0: to or do to protect ourselves?
1: Well, I mean, I think I think the um, what you have to understand is sometimes uh, it's. If you don't want something stolen, don't say it or don't don't write it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you've got really sensitive information, don't create that thing that can be stolen in the first place. Um, you know, go old fashioned, you know, meet with people <laughs> yep. go out and have coffee with them instead of uh, you know, talking to them on the phone.
0: You know what, believe it or not, sorry to interrupt, I'll let you get back to that, but I started doing this right around the time Bef- just just before Edward Snowden did what he did, there was a group of us who work in national security who said, OK, this is no longer safe to do. So, yeah. you know, we started doing exactly what you said. But please continue.
1: Yeah, you go you know send a, a mail <laughs> to somebody, you know, I mean, that, right that's now right. a more secure way of, of you know, doing it. But I, I think really what you have to do is if you really uh, are in a situation where you're concerned about your security um, and you do have information that you have to send people that is valuable, you need to create multiple channels. Um, you know, I've got about five phones right now um, that I use and uh, I use them for different purposes. Uh, The other thing is, you know, there are there are other tools that that, you know, um, you can you can use you can just use um, uh, laptops like a a Chromebook, you know, that doesn't have a chip in it. It doesn't have a computer. It doesn't have a phone chip in it, um, you know, and so, you know, it's a little bit safer and then everything is stored in the Web, you know, which in an encrypted form. So, you know, if you're storing information, you encrypt it. Um, you know, if your data is at rest, as we say, you, you encrypt it. And if it has to move, you encrypt it where you can, but you send it through multiple channels so that they can't get the full message.
0: The question that I was going to ask you before I kind of got so deep into the nuts and bolts was what was it that you found? How would you summarize what you found and what it means?
1: What we found from looking at this data is that um, a large number of governments primarily use their surveillance capability um, to look at the people they consider at risk. Um, And those are usually oppositional parties, uh, civil society organizations, and journalists. And often they're looking at these people not to find out what they know, they're looking at these people to collect what we call compromise. Ah, compromising material. you know, is somebody having an affair?, yep. you know, uh, you know, does somebody like children, you know, um is somebody gay? You know they'll they'll look at things that that will be used against people in that context of that of that particular country. Um, and so, um that's what often they were doing. Um, and then they were also using it to file charges against people. Um, and and to to create a case to file criminal charges, and so these were countries that have really been destroying, you know, anybody's ability uh, to to really um, uh, contend their control of the country, um, and that's really where a lot of things are heading. I mean, it's these autocratic uh, uh, countries that are that are unfortunately captured states. You know, they're in the control of a particular political party. And that party does not want to give up control so one thing is to capture state another is to keep it and in many of these countries um that's what it was they were actually doing is they were consolidating and keeping power and crushing the opposition
0: well i want to say that this um project that you put together the pegasus project is um pretty phenomenal it's very phenomenal frankly um, and there is so much information here. I would just encourage everyone to go look at this. And you see, again, what you said, there are 17 news organizations, I think, others that participated in this project. And this, the rigor of that kind of consortium is off the charts. And forgive me for using that kind of lazy terminology, but this is a true magnet for authentic journalists, this kind of work and i think uh, what you've done here is something that we hopefully will have much more of in the future before i go i want to ask you one other thing i don't want to end on this question because it involves a certain degree of hilarity but i don't want to end on this question i just want to ask it to make sure we get in here get it in you know i was reading your bio It says before you became a journalist, you were a structural, structural dynamicist on the space shuttle for Rockwell Space Systems. You have a degree in aerospace engineering from Texas A&M, and you're a professional stand up comedian acting in four films. And you play the Buren in the the only authentic Irish Celtic band in the Balkans. So the question I want to ask you is how does all of that add up to today? I mean, how did you use all of that to do the work you're doing today? How did it contribute?
1: Well, but, yeah, hard, hard work and hard play yeah? <laughs> you, <know?
0: laughs> you gotta have hobbies, huh?
1: exactly. you gotta you gotta you know that life as an investigative reporter on organized crime and corruption is not always uh, uh, yeah an uplifting career. and so you have to have some time to blow off steam.
0: Yeah, so you did that, and uh, congratulations to you for being able to do that. I'm curious to know what those films were, but I'll ask you that offline. But um, before we go, um, back to the, the serious nature of what it is we're doing today, um, is there more to this? Uh, are you continuing to dig on this?
1: Certainly. I mean, we we've only been able to identify, you know, 90, 90- Five ninety-six percent. I mean, uh, uh, only four percent or so. Ninety-five or ninety-six percent of these phone numbers are are still not identified. Um, so there's a lot more names in there. Wow. Um, we'll we'll continue to um, uh, to look at this, and we follow all our stories up. I mean, nothing ever dies. You you got to keep following things up, and um, you know this is a group of organizations that are um, uh, really good, and um, you know they're all going to continue. Um, looking at these issues and following them as they develop. And, you know, when you do a story like this, sometimes people give you more information. Um, And so, uh, you know, it leads to additional stories.
0: Well, um, again, congratulations, because this is brilliant work. And um, I've been a fan. Um, Didn't think I'd have the opportunity to talk to you today because I wasn't really thinking that um, I'd be working on this today. But when the opportunity came up, I said, this is an absolutely... Perfect opportunity to talk about this, considering what's going on in the world today, especially in the United States when we talk about China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and you know the freelance hackers, et cetera, people using traditional methods of hacking, or what we call traditional now, to hack into governments and important people and just regular people and organizations to have this information out there today. Uh, introduces a whole new level of understanding, I believe, for people when we start looking at the risk and the trouble that's out there. So thank you for this. Is there anything you want to add?
1: I just uh, want to say that uh, you've done a great job and I always enjoy your uh, your reports.
0: All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that um, and I'm hopeful that we'll have another opportunity to talk with you
1: again in the future. Anytime, JJ.
0: That's it for this episode of Target USA coming up in our next episode over the last eight months. We have seen cybersecurity incidents across this country of a fairly unprecedented scale and impact. Eric Goldstein, executive assistant director for cybersecurity at CISA. Russia and China are linked to most of them and have ignored polite U.S. appeals to knock it off. So now the U.S. is naming and shaming.
1: Attribution is incredibly important.
0: John Dermody is a former National Security Council lawyer, now with the firm Omelvany.
1: But it's not in of itself going to deter committed actors
0: specifics about how to do that coming up in our next episode in the meantime if you have any questions or comments about our program send me an email at J green at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green. One word at whiskey tango oscar J green at WTOP.com. Also, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter. We're at tusa Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Also, if you'd like to subscribe, we would welcome that too. If you want more information about national security, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com/alerts. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA,
1: the National Security Podcast.
2: Good.